There's a story told of a passionate group of Jesus followers from well over 100 years ago who became known as the one-way missionaries. They were people committed to the mission of making Jesus known to people of all cultures, even if those cultures were a little bit hostile to Christian missionary work. They were people committed to serve cross-culturally, living and loving like Jesus, even if it cost their very lives. And they were committing to uh, live the rest of their lives in another country for the cause of Christ. They took the idea of being on mission with Jesus so seriously that they purchased one-way tickets to the mission field without the return ticket. And with great symbolism and as a statement of their commitment to uh, the country they were going to serve, uh, they didn't pack suitcases, they packed all of their belongings in coffins. As they sailed out of their port and waved goodbye to everyone and, and uh, you know, waved goodbye to everything that they knew, they knew that they would never return home. A.W. Milne was part of this movement of one-way missionaries. He felt called of God to serve in New Hebrides in the South Pacific, and an island that is now called Vanuatu. Uh, there was a group of people living there who, among other things that was a part of their culture, is they were headhunters. And they had not been friendly to previous Christian missionaries. Uh, a few had actually sadly lost their heads. Milne didn't fear for his life because he had already died to himself. He was living out these words of the Apostle Paul. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And to symbolize this death to himself, his coffin was packed. It's an incredible step of faith and commitment to do what Jesus calls you to do. And Milne spent 35 years living and loving like Jesus among these people. And they say that during his lifetime, during his time there, um, almost like the majority of the people on that island came to faith in Jesus. It's incredible. And when Milne died of natural causes, no headhunters wanted to take his life. So when Milne died, the people of this island buried him in the middle of their main village, and they inscribed on his tombstone, and, and get this, when he came, there was no light. When he left, there was no darkness. Wow. Like, just wow, I responded when I first heard that story. A.W. Milne, like other one-way missionaries, chose for the sake of Jesus to give up fear, comfort, security, uh, to follow where Jesus leads. They took to heart these words of Jesus, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. So what about you? When you hear a story like this and, and the words of Jesus and Paul to call us to this kind of commitment, how do you react? Do you just let it fly over your head? What do you do when Jesus and writers of the Bible call us to go all in for the cause of Christ? I first heard this story told by Mark Batterson, a pastor who I really enjoy listening to and reading. And I'm using a few thoughts from Batterson in this message. And Batterson, in response to this story, made this comment. When did we start believing that God wants to send us to safe places to do easy things? That faithfulness is holding the fort. That playing it safe is safe. That there is any greater privilege than sacrifice that radical is anything but normal. He goes on, Jesus didn't die to make us safe, he died to make us dangerous. Faithfulness is not holding the fort, it's storming the gates of hell. 
Here's the problem that many of us are struggling with. When push comes to shove, we believe that complete surrender of our lives to the cause of Jesus is, well, yeah, just a bit too radical. That to go all out for Jesus, well, that's only for super Christians. That those kinds of people, you know, they're kind of like Jesus freaks, and who wants to be freaky, right? We're glad that those radical Christians exist, but for us, we came to Jesus simply to experience his love, his healing, the, the good stuff that he pours out on those he loves, and, and we live. We, we live as if the purpose of life is just kind of to make it safely at, at death, right? And, and our prayer life tends to reflect this, right? We, we pray mostly for our needs and, and that we and our family, you know, will make it. Uh, well before death and but friends the problem with all that is it's not actually what christianity is all about to be a christian is to follow jesus and to follow jesus is to be on mission with jesus they go hand in hand the problem is is we, we want god on our terms but we don't get god that way do we what we get when we go that way is false religion um, you only get a relationship with God on his terms. You can take it or leave it, but you can't change the rules of engagement. Yes, God wants to bless you. Yes, God wants to bless your family. He, he's crazy in love with you. But God's good work in your life, God's blessing on your life, God's love for you and your family is so that you can bless and love on others. God blesses you and pours out his power on you so that you can be on mission with him. We're going to celebrate communion uh, at the end of the service. The Apostle Paul describes what you see at the communion table set up front this way. God made him who had no sin to be, to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. We become the righteousness of God to this world. We become God's agents of his love and righteousness to our neighbors. That's, that's our mission. I know, it sounds all a bit heavy, so let me back up a bit. Um, <clears throat> when you surrender your life to Jesus, when you say, I've decided to follow Jesus, at that moment, uh, all of your sin is transferred to Christ's account, and it is paid in full. Your sin was nailed to the cross 2,000 years ago. God extends mercy to you. Mercy is getting what you do not deserve. You, me, all of us deserve the wrath of God for our sin. And we get instead this infusion of God's grace. We, we get the righteousness of God. We get what we don't deserve because of God's grace and mercy. And what we get, we are to pass on to others. So every time we celebrate communion like we're going to do today, we are to remember that everything you've done wrong is forgiven and forgotten. And everything that Christ did right, his righteousness is, is transferred to your account. And then God just calls it even. It's like God says, I'll take the blame for everything you did wrong, and I'll give you credit for everything that I did right. Friends, it doesn't get any better than that, right? And that's why it's called the gospel. That's why it's called good news. And it's not just good news. Heck, it is the best news. The gospel costs us absolutely nothing. We cannot buy it or earn it. It can only be received as a free gift because of God's grace. So this gift of salvation that brings transformation to our lives now and forever costs us nothing. But hear me, please hear me. While it costs us nothing, it demands everything. 
And this is where you and me both get uh, uh, stuck in a spiritual no man's zone. To quote Mark Batterson, we're, we're too Christian to enjoy sin and too sinful to enjoy Christ. I mean, ain't that the truth? We're just in this spiritual no man's zone. Yeah, we want everything that God has to offer without giving anything up. We're afraid that if we don't hold out on God, we'll miss out on what this life has to offer. We're kind of FOMO Christians, right? And friends, that's a lie. It's the same lie the devil told Adam and Eve in the garden. God is not holding out on you. Listen to this psalm. No good thing does the Lord withhold from those who walk uprightly. So how does the Christian faith work? Well, if you don't hold out on God, God will not hold out on you. Let me say it again. If you don't hold out on God, God will not hold out on you. Let me shift gears. Tonight, you are all invited to a night of worship where we will give thanks to God for all that he's done for, for and through Fort City this past year and beyond. And at the end of our time, we will ask those of you who were formal members here at Fort City to receive what's called an annual report about this past year or so. It will uh, include a time where anyone who has questions about that report or the church in general can ask them. Uh, some of you have emailed me thoughts and questions and observations, which is awesome. After that, there will be a membership motion to receive the annual report. We will also present the new board, known as an elders board, who will have just been elected by electronic ballot by the members. And we will pray uh, for that board. And that board, they, they work with me to give oversight to the work of Fort City, and together we work with our denomination, the Alliance Canada. If you're a formal member of Fort City, you will have received a copy of that uh, annual report in an email a few weeks, weeks ago. Uh, the rest of you, if you're on your email list, you just got one. And as well, if you're a member, you will have received a ballot uh, for, to vote, and voting ended uh, last night at around 11.45. Now, I don't believe that over the years we've talked enough about formal church membership around here. Over the last 10 to 20 years, formal church membership has fallen out of favor in churches all over North America. People don't want to commit to a particular church or at least its organizational structure. And in North America, Christians have taken a very uh, consumer-oriented approach to attending church. We, we tend to be focused on finding a church that best meets the needs of myself and my family. We're focused on how good the worship team is and the style of music and if you like the preaching style or not and what, what programs does the church offer for myself and my family uh, and, and do I have any friends there? Do I know anyone? I'm not saying that is all bad. I mean, there is this Doyle family cottage in Muskoka that if things go as planned, uh, uh, Jane and I will eventually uh, retire there. And the question is, where will we land when it comes to church in Muskoka? That's not an easy question to answer. I get it. That is true for many of us. But still, our focus tends to be what will make myself and my family feel best. It's about me and my needs more than being a part of a community doing God's work in our city and world. Rarely do people you know, go looking for a church where they say, where is a church where I can just go all in and serve and be part of that church's mission to our city and world? People look for a church for what it does for them, not for a church where they can go all in and just when it comes to giving and serving for the sake of the gospel. Hey, Ford City is a great place for anyone, I mean anyone, to come and worship God and connect with other believers as we experience God together. It's a great place for people who just want to explore faith. It's a safe place to have a, a dangerous encounter with God, but you should know. 
that at the core of who we are as a church is we want to become a people who live beyond ourselves, who, who live for the sake of others. We, we want to be a people who have packed our, our coffins for the sake of Jesus. The mission of Fort City is making Jesus visible as we live in love like him. It's an outward-focused mission that requires inner transformation. When we become a Christian, when we choose to follow Jesus, we, we start a personal journey of becoming more and more like Jesus. And as we become more and more like Jesus, we make Jesus visible to others in a, in a beautiful and attractive way. And Jesus uses us to see more and more people come to know Jesus in a personal and life-changing way. It's all about inner transformation that leads to outward mission. To follow Jesus is to become like Jesus and then to join Jesus in his mission to reach people with the good news of the gospel. Here's the challenge. If you only come to Jesus to experience his power to change you and if you only come to church to experience God for yourself, you'll eventually get disillusioned because you're only going halfway with Jesus. As I read my Bible from Genesis to Revelation, God's word is clear. God blesses us. God, God transforms us so that we're enabled to be on mission with him to bless others. And to do this, God expects us to work out our faith in community, to work out our faith and do mission together as a church family, as committed members of a local church. Some people like to push back and say, hey, there is no command in the Bible to be a church member. But that's just being a bit lazy and contentious in your reading of the Bible. Being a committed member of a local church is simply assumed as you read your New Testament. I mean, the majority of the letters of, of the New Testament were written to churches, to the committed believers who were part of a local church. The offices of leadership like pastor and elder show that church membership is assumed. There was even a practice in the first century church where letters of membership were sent when a member of one church traveled to another. It just all assumes membership. Jesus taught about discipline and discipleship in the context of church membership. Just read through Matthew 18 sometime. Generally, the pattern was after you were baptized, you became a committed member of a local church, usually the local church you were baptized in. And if you moved to another church, you often brought a letter with you to that church so that they would know that you were a baptized member in good standing. We've lost a lot of that in our current church culture, and it, it weakens not only the church, it weakens the people who attend church who, who are not committed members. So today, I, I just want to challenge you as a, maybe just as one step of uh, packing your coffin to consider making a commitment to formal church membership as a next step after baptism. It's really a part of your journey of packing your coffin and saying yes to Jesus, I will follow you. I just want to strongly suggest that to be a committed follower of Jesus, you need to be a committed member of a local church. And if not us, then somewhere. Now, a lot of you want to push back right away and say, heck, no. I don't want to get involved in all the institutional parts of church. I'm, I'm quite happy not getting an annual report in my email and then voting to receive it in some meeting. I have no interest in voting for board members. If I don't like who's leading the church, I'll just go to another church. And that's not really what membership's all about. And hey, according to research from a group called Barna, that is the dominant attitude of people who attend churches in North America. There's this, this tendency to, to be real loose about commitment. And friends, this is why church is not as strong as it was and not as effective of reaching our culture as it once was. 
So many of us have become low to no commitment people. We're, we're focused on our needs more than we're focused on the needs of our city and world and the needs of our neighbors. This is so unhealthy for you and your personal walk with Jesus. I mean, to follow Jesus is to be a committed part of his church where you are on mission with Jesus through his church. And the clear way to show your commitment to a local church is just through formal membership. And then you just get involved and make it happen. It's true. I mean, anyone is allowed to attend a church service. That's awesome. Anyone can be part of a small group, give to support the church, attend special events. Anyone can be part of a church outreach project like the car show coming up in a couple of weeks. But those who choose to commit their lives to serving God through a local church, God blesses them, empowers them to bless others. You can call it God's cycle of circle of blessing, give and it will be given to you. So yeah, I'd say that church membership does matter a, a whole lot more than you might think. And let me list just a couple more reasons. Number one, Local church membership is the next step in your discipleship journey of following Jesus after baptism. The writers of the New Testament simply assume that as soon as you are baptized, you will become a committed participant of a, of a local church, that you'll say, this is the local church that I identify with. Number two, in joining a church, you make visible your commitment to Christ and his people. Um, membership is one way just to raise the flag of faith. Friends, it's it's easy to talk in glowing terms about the invisible church, the body of all believers, near and far, living and dead throughout the ages, but it's in the visible church that God expects you to live out your faith as a committed member of a local body. Number three, making a commitment makes a powerful statement in a low-commitment culture. This is where we push back against consumerism. That's such a big deal in churches these days. Making a commitment to a local church is such a biblically awesome countercultural statement where I say, I am committed to this group of people and they are committed to me. I am here to give more than I am here to get. In a committed church relationship, we're saying to each other, I'm here to stay. I want to help you grow so that you look and love more like Jesus. And will you do the same for me? When I commit to a local church, I'm saying I'm part of something bigger than myself. Uh, I'm not just one of 300 individuals. I'm part of a body, a local expression of Jesus to my city. And when you commit to being a formal member here at Fort City Church, you will make some promises and commitments. You will promise to pray for your church, to serve, attend worship, to give, to be part of the church's mission to our city and world. These become solemn commitments that we make to each other and we hold each other accountable to. These are powerful commitments that God uses to make our city a better place to live as we reach and touch more and more people all around us. Membership matters more than most people think. If you really want to be a countercultural revolutionary who's making a difference for Jesus, then, then I just encourage you to sign up for membership at Fort City with its commitments and promises. You can do that, by the way, by going to fortcity.info and clicking on the link, I'm interested in membership. There's also maybe a QR code on the screen that will take you there. And you will find a membership application where you will be asked to make a commitment to the mission, vision, and practices of Fort City. And there's a link to all of that so you know what you're committing to. And you'll be asked to affirm our values as a church as well as our statement of faith. From there, you will be contacted by a, a staff member or a board member who will talk to you about membership. 
they will then submit your name to the board who will approve all applications for membership. It's not as complicated as it sounds. It's just all about calling out a, a committed band of believers who are deeply in love with Jesus and just want to be part of the mission of Fort City. And hey, the commitment is not quite as intense as the commitment made by those one-way missionaries who packed their coffins and, and went to where God served them. But it is a step of commitment in that direction where you are saying, I am a passionate follower of Jesus, committed to serving him through the local church he has called me to be a part of. Now, as you look at the communion table set before us, they, have, they, they picture the extreme commitment of Jesus, right? Of Jesus, who really packed his coffin to come to earth. He came on a mission for his father. He came to earth to die for all of us. Jesus models what death to self looks like. Jesus models what being committed to the mission of God looks like. And Jesus, talking about following him, talked about the cross that is pictured by communion. Jesus said, and let me just give you that verse again, but I'll do it from Luke's gospel this time. Uh, I read it at the beginning of the message, but whoever wants to be my disciple, Jesus said, must deny themselves, deny themselves, take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. And the disciples who, who saw Jesus die on the cross, who, who saw his body nailed to the cross with blood flowing from his body in payment for their sin, they took these words of Jesus really literally. They went all in for the mission of Jesus and all but the apostle John died a martyr's death. In a moment, I'm going to invite you to come forward to receive the bread and juice, the, the elements representing the body and blood of Jesus. And then take them back to your seat and worship Jesus as you peel off the first layer and eat bread and give thanks for the body of Jesus and peel the next layer and drink the juice and give thanks for the blood of Jesus. And as you do this, just say, yes, Jesus, I will be your disciple. I will follow you. I will deny myself. I will take up my cross and follow you. And this doesn't mean you're going to have to die physically for Jesus, but it does mean that you will have to die to yourself. Right, Die to your wants, your needs, in order to live a mission for Jesus for the glory of God. It does mean that your Christian faith will cost you something. Your life. Friends, if Jesus hung on a cross, we can certainly carry ours, right? When you come forward for communion, you are declaring to all um, that you are a follower of Jesus, carrying your cross for him. That to follow Jesus is to die to yourself so that you can live for Jesus and his mission. Will you make this time of communion a time when you tell Jesus that you're ready to die to yourself, that, that Jesus might shine through you? I mean, the truth is, we won't all come alive in the truest and fullest sense of that until we die to ourselves. And we won't find ourselves until we lose ourselves in the cause of Christ. In a moment, I'm going to pray. And I invite you to make this prayer your prayer of commitment and a, a prayer really of death to self as you prepare for communion. And then you can come forward declaring that you are a follower of Jesus and worship him as you eat bread and drink juice in your seat. At the same time, we'll have a prayer team up front here. Uh, our healing and wholeness was purchased on the cross. Our team will be up front during communion and at the end of the service to pray that God's work on the cross is applied to your life. Just let, yeah, just come and let our prayer team approach the throne of grace on your behalf. Okay, would you uh, pray with me, join with me, and just pray these words with me in your own heart. Jesus, 
I thank you that you packed your coffin and came to this world to die. You died that I might have life now and forever. And today as I thank you and acknowledge your death for me, in return, I commit to dying to myself, my wants, even my needs, and in turn, living for you and your mission in this world. As I consider the great price you paid for my salvation, I offer back my life to you so that others will experience the same salvation that I have. Use me through your church. I pray in Jesus' name.